gaze at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. 49ers versus Raiders happened today. And a lot of conversation about the quarterbacks, I'm sure. But a lot of conversation about a bunch of positions as well. So thank you guys all so much for joining me for this episode. Really looking forward to getting it all into it. Of course, just like always, let's interact. Uh, Join the conversation. Leave a comment. If you leave a super chat or you are a channel member, I will definitely make sure to get to those as priority. But uh, so the 49ers come out and they lose to the Raiders 34 to seven. And you know what? I mean, it's special. I mean, it's a preseason. And I think that a lot of people are going to be hypercritical of a lot of the performances that are out there. And I think there's reasons to be critical of some and then others. It's just like, you know what? Guys are going to get better. And I tweeted this out from the 49ers cutback account. I said, when it comes down to this football game, uh, they got a lot of good film in the first half that they're going to be able to grow from. And I believe the second the second half did the same sort of thing. It's not all about good performances, but sometimes bad performances can help you along the way as well. Especially as a coach, you're looking for examples of things you can show your players and why to improve. So just like with Trey Lance's touchdown pass that he throws that bounces off a of safety and ends up in Ross Dwelly's hands, so intended for Chris Conley, and Conley's open. Uh, but just like Kyle Shanahan alluded to in his press conference, that's his last read. So he was going one in the corner or in the side by the pylon, two to Ross Dwelly, and then backside to Conley on a little bit of a boot pass. Uh, Conley was open. He was looking for the other two and then transitioned his eyes to the back of the end zone for Conley. He did not see the safety flashing. But now it's an opportunity for Brian Greasy and Kyle Shanahan to coach up Trey Lance and say, hey, look, we know you want to make this throw, and yes, Conley's open. But if you don't see him earlier, then you must locate the safety. Because when it comes down to playing quarterback, it's less about reading the where the wide receiver is and more about reading where the defense is. Uh, so it's a great learning experience for Trey Lance. So what some people might see as a negative or a potential interception I see as a potential learning experience for Trey Lance, and that's all I'm looking for uh, in these players in their first preseason game of the year. Uh, so it was it was fun, and I, I want to go to what Portola said here, uh, the very first comment we had on the stream. It says, I know Trey Lance is going to be the focus, but our O-line was horrible. I think it was a combination of things. Do I think that the offensive line had some bad reps? Absolutely. I think there was definitely scenarios at which the offensive line let the quarterback down. I do believe, though, Partola, that Trey Lance also had moments where he held on to the football or did not get rid of the football when he should have. The very first play of the game is a two-step drop, and it's a quick. You see exactly Sam Darnold did the same thing on his first snap. It was a quick step. He throws out. Uh, He led his guy a little bit too far outside because of timing, so neither one of them were complete. But Trey Lance has to make a decision. He has to rip that ball to that receiver and get it to him in a tight space or he needs to throw it at his feet and walk away without accepting a sack. So I think that, yes, he needs to get better at that. 
And I think that was a tough one. Kyle was trying to get him a nice rhythm throw that he could feel confident. They could get ahead of the sticks and really get a drive going. So I thought it was a good call. Execution wasn't fair. And I think after that, we saw a combination of sometimes it was bad offensive line play. And sometimes it was Trey holding on to the football just too long. And I, it's something different than what I saw at training camp from Trey Lance. I thought Trey Lance at training camp really got rid of the football at a pretty good rate. And I thought he was really good. So uh, to me, I thought this was a step uh, that I didn't expect Trey Lance to take. But overall, I want to see what he does against Denver. And then I want to see what he does against the Chargers. And as long as he continues to grow, uh, then I'm not real worried about it. If we can see what he did today uh, consistently where he's holding on the football, padding, you know, not really being willing to let loose and let go of the football, uh, then I'll have some concerns. But I'm not really that worried. And Brad says, thank God you're here, Ant. Need to decompress after watching that train wreck. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people that feel that way. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you walk away from a preseason game feeling that. But I think there's been such a build for the 49ers preseason after how the season ended, you know, in 2022. Once Brock got hurt, I think a lot of people kind of relegated themselves at some point to, you know what, we lost. Uh, it's unfortunate this was a great season. And now we've got to recover and come back for 2023. And we're so hyped about everything that's going on. It's just, it's not really working up working out for the 49ers in preseason so far. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're here. Let's talk about it. Let's have a good conversation. You guys have differing opinions from me. Hey, leave them in chat. Let's talk about them. Not really uh, concerned about it. But, you know, I have seen a lot of training camp. And then this preseason game, it, it was a little lackluster. But there were some good things that came out of it, which I'm hoping we could talk about in this episode as well. Portola says Moody, Latu, Oliver have a week to get their stuff together. Yeah, I think that when it comes to Moody, I expected the young guy to have some struggles. He's looked spectacular at camp, but this is his first time kicking in a new venue. They're kicking there in Las Vegas, and even though it's inside, you've got to get used to your surroundings. And I think it was as simple as he had a little bit of a, a pull, you know, as far as he pulled the ball a little bit on his first attempt, and then he overcorrected. And that's what young players have to learn to overcome is overcorrection. Another good learning experience. So let's see what he does in Denver. Uh, when it comes to Cameron Latu, yes, Cameron Latu fumbled the football. It wasn't great. Uh, what I did like is on the next play, they were on offense. Cameron Latu helped pinch down uh, and help on a block and then come off and make another block on a TDP carry. And that's been a, a concern of Cameron Latu. So I like the bounce back. So it wasn't all bad, even though the fumble is what's going to stick in everyone's mind. The things that Cameron Latu is doing to grow are, are important. And I did see him look like he had a basic understanding of the offense, where he was supposed to line up and what he's supposed to do. And that's the biggest growth. And then when it comes to Isaiah Oliver, everyone's going to see the touchdown. He's playing an inside leverage. He has a safety over the top. I don't know if he was expecting outside help from the corner, uh, but the Raiders ran a nice route where they occupied the corner on the outside. And with Oliver playing inside, they were able to get an outbreaking route that he couldn't come to grips with. So either he needs to play that uh, farther, you know, closer to head up on that slot, and maybe it was a bad uh, read by him, or it could have been bad scheme for the particular play the Raiders picked. I'm going to take a little bit of a wait-and-see approach. Uh, but I thought Oliver did okay in run fits, even though I would like to see him come away with a few more tackles for sure. And Tommy Huxley uh, – <laughs> 
says the same thing about Oliver. Oliver looked dreadful, man. He was supposed to be one of the best slot corners. What the H? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, he looked good in practice during training camp. That did not filter over into this football game. Uh, I think that you know, you're running a vanilla defense, that's for sure. But I think everyone's expecting him to play at a little bit of a higher level. At some point, uh, the, the, the 49ers will figure this out with Isaiah Oliver. I think he'll play better next week. And I do think he'll get reps next week, especially you know because of what happened in this game. But I think they're going to have to make sure they adjust some of his alignment to make sure they put him in better situations uh, because that's tough. You're covering a wide receiver running an out pattern, and you're supposed to have inside leverage by you know a yard and a half, two yards. There's not a nickel corner in this league uh, without having tremendous instincts that's going to play that. I don't care if that was K1 Williams or if that was Jimmy Ward. They weren't going to be able to cover that route. So, uh, yes, there were some negative plays from Isaiah Oliver, but I think scheme had a little bit to do with it on that particular play that he gave up the touchdown. Uh, so I think, you know, one of those things where um, it's something that we're going to have to see if Oliver can bounce back from. Brad Jones says, and I'm not sure what was worse today, getting up at 6 a.m. to watch the O-line, Trey Lance, Moody's 58-yard attempt, or having to listen to the Raiders commentary team. Has to be listening to the Raiders commentary team, right? Uh, I think I think we'll be just okay. Um, everything's going to end up bouncing back, and it's going to be fine. And so I think in the grand scheme of things, this offense, you know, on both sides, these players that we're talking about, uh, the defense, they're going to bounce back. It's going to be okay. And in the you know, and that's kind of what you're looking for in these preseason games: what things you need to work on, and what things you can get better at. Um, so I think that, you know, when it comes to a certain positions, you are concerned about depth. And that's what Tommy says here. And if we have injuries on the O line, we are toast. I think if you had a situation where you had the entire offensive line struggle, but I think we got some positive snaps from Jalen Moore, uh, today, and he's the, the backup for Trent Williams. So that's good. I thought John Feliciano playing center did pretty well. And so there's your interior offensive lineman. Uh, that's going to be the first guy in for all three spots. That's good news. we got a good, solid backup there. And Jalen Moore did pretty good as well. Looking forward to getting all into the All-22 to see just how good it actually was. Uh, but to me, there's two guys right there. Now what we need is other guys to step up. So this was a lot of action for guys like Jason Poe, Nick Zakel. They need to get better. Uh, I thought I seen some you know, good reps from some of the other guys as well, like uh, like Leroy Watson, I thought that there were good reps from him in his first action playing tackle uh, for the 49ers. So those things right there were good news. But you're right, there has to be development. The good news is you're not going to have 10 offensive linemen on your team. The likelihood is you're going to have eight or nine. So you need a couple of these guys to step up. And I thought Jalen Moore did pretty good coming off the bone bruise. And I thought that uh, John Feliciano uh, held himself up to be pretty good. When it came to Matt Pryor, I thought it was hit and miss for the right tackle. I thought sometimes he got in the way. And so he's got to figure out how to play in this scheme. And I'm wondering if his body's going to allow him to transition into playing in this outside zone scheme that Kyle likes to run. But when it comes down to it, we're going to see what happens over the next two weeks of development. But I like some of the things I saw from some of the players. There just needs to be more growth on other things. Uh, James says he is terrible at read option runs. He balls up on fourth down and it's what's going to hurt him. What got hurt him last year. So when it comes to that fourth down play, I did hear a lot of people that weren't happy with the call. 
I thought the call was fantastic. Number one, this is one of those situations where Kyle knows how Jordan Willis is going to play uh, the actual play because Willis was a former 49er. He gets a perfect read. Jordan Willis comes down the line of scrimmage. And if Trey's reading the linebacker, he, he's got Ross Dwelly coming around to block, but he's not. He's supposed to be reading Jordan Willis. It was a clear uh, pull play, and if he would have pulled, he would have trotted up the field for an easy first down, been on the outside, been able to slide with a lead blocker. And so I think that there was a missed opportunity there. I didn't have a problem with the call. I had a problem with the execution and whether Trey's eyes betrayed him and maybe he saw the linebacker flash behind, not realizing he was going to have Ross Dwelly to lead. I think that could have been a problem for him. Uh, but it's something that he's definitely got to get a little bit uh, better at. Uh, James says, were you impressed by anyone, if that's possible? And I was. I thought there were a few guys that stood out to me um, right off the top. I'm going to say Ronnie Bell, even though he did have the ball that bounced off his hands in the fourth quarter for an interception. I thought other than that, he caught the nice deep one from Sam Darnold. He made some contested catches over the middle from Trey Lance I and from Sam Darnold. I thought Ronnie Bell did pretty good. The run he made on uh, the sweep, uh, I thought the jet sweep where he broke two tackles and got over twelve, got about 12 yards. I thought that was a nice play. And then I thought on defense, I thought Jalen Graham playing Mike linebacker. I thought he looked really consistent and comfortable. And I liked how he was coming downfield and or coming downhill and flashing in the backfield. To me, those were very nice. And I think that that's what you're looking for from your young players is things to build on. And I thought these were two rookies that really stepped up and did a great job. And I think Jalen Graham, especially in the run game, and I want to see how his film looked as far as in coverage because I do think the 49ers uh, linebacker core got somewhat exposed in coverage. And I think, you know, we saw Demetrius Flanagan fouls get beat deep on the corner out. That's tough coverage for a Mike linebacker. And I think that there's other guys like Curtis Robinson who got beat on a play action. He definitely... A uh, bit on play action and then got beat over the top by a tight end. So there are some work to do. But overall, I thought those guys had some good performances. And I even thought, you know, a guy like Cleveland Farrell, who was playing his first reps with the 49ers, had that really nice sack where the he got that tackle believing he was going to go up the field and that he hit him with a nice interior swim move and got to the quarterback. And Aiden O'Connell had no chance. So those are the kind of plays that stand out. And I thought Cleveland Farrell was setting the edge really good against the run, too. So uh, excited about his potential and what he could be. So Jay Ellie, what's up, Jay Ellie? Jay Ellie's my guy. He says, no energy, O-line, and the majority of D-line aren't ready. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not seeing the starters. We're seeing some backups. It wasn't pretty, and I think Siggy is saying the same exact thing you did as well. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, the performance – it didn't live up to expectation. No, uh, I think it's one of those things you just continue to monitor and see how they do over the next couple of games. So Thomas says, as a Niner fan for over 40 years, I've come to see a pattern overall. The worse they play in preseason, the better the outcome of the season. It's sometimes the case, right? I think the Raiders went 4-0 last year in preseason. Uh, teams that normally go 4-0 don't always have the great, greatest success. I think the Baltimore Ravens had won like 36 straight games or something in the preseason, but... Uh, Thomas, you're not wrong. That's something that definitely is usually the case. Uh, great pre preseason performances don't always translate to great regular season performances. That's true. Very, very true. 
Siggy says, Kinlaw was getting pushed around today. Hope this was a big learning experience. Uh, so there were some moments where he took some chances and got his pad level a little high. Those were things we didn't see at training camp very often. Uh, but there was one play today, especially most are going to chalk it up to him getting pushed back. He did a swim move to the outside of the guard, and he got between two guys, but he was doubled. And when he did that swim, he elevated himself really high. Both offensive linemen got into his gut and pushed him back. That is a move you don't want to do when these teams are doubling down on the tackles and getting a push and then running up inside. So Kinlaw was being hyper-aggressive. Maybe that was the coaching call today. Maybe they just wanted to see if they could penetrate and blow these uh, double teams up. Sometimes that's the case, right? It's a coaching point. But you're right. There were opportunities for Kinlaw to keep a lower pad level and play better against the run. And I thought for the most part he did okay. But you're right. There were some moments where he got pushed back for sure. And what's up to my guy, Nico? How's it going? Uh, Nico says, did we win Jamboree? So uh, Nico coached with me for a long time. He's a good friend and he's a Raider fan and he knows exactly preseason. Uh, it doesn't mean a whole lot. You're just looking to see evaluation and how certain guys are picking up scheme, but also just how they're playing in play. So I love it because a lot of times that's how it would go. You get to those first scrimmages and everyone thinks they won because they outplayed you. And then you get into the regular season and it's completely uh, different. So I, I, I love that overall. Uh, Paul, how's it going? Paul says, hey, coach, now I get to listen to your show. Awesome. Glad you could come through. Uh, really happy to have everyone here in chat. And let's have this uh, cool conversation because, you know, I mean, even though it wasn't the outcome that anyone wanted to have happen because we're just excited about football being back, there was a lot to learn from what happened, you know, in the game. And I, I know there's a lot of, you know, hate on some of the players, uh, but I did have a list, you know, and I went through Ronnie Bell and Jalen Graham. I thought they looked good. Uh, I thought Deshaun Jameson looked good in coverage. Um, and then I thought, you know, also he looked good returning kicks. I think that there's sometimes where he's a little bit more hesitant to get started. And sometimes that can allow coverage to kind of come in on him. I'm sure that's the way he's used to doing it. And he did it well in college. Uh, but I wonder if that's the best technique for doing it in the NFL. But I thought between him and Ronnie Bell, he outplayed Ronnie Bell. I want to see what happens uh, against Denver. Will it be time for them you know, to let other guys go out there and give a run at it as well? Because a guy like Willie Sneed, we know how good he is at catching punts. But I want to see what he can do returning kicks. I, wanna, I would love to see Danny Gray with that speed return a kick or two. Maybe we'll get to see that. But I also thought Chris Conley had a really good game. He was catching a lot of passes from Trey Lance. It felt like Trey Lance had a lot of uh, synergy with him, and he was getting open. And when he was getting open, he was making those catches. He looked pretty secure. And so I think Chris Conley did a lot for himself uh, to stay in the battle to be one of the 49ers' top five or six wide receivers. Ronnie Bell definitely took a step forward, and so did Conley. And I think that's been a big battle because Conley – is playing the same position as Tay Martin. So those guys are in direct competition. And then you have Ronnie Bell in direct competition, you know, with other guys like Danny Gray. Now, the Ray Ray McLeod injury definitely opened things up. And we'll see if Ray Ray's healthy enough. I'm sorry, Danny Gray is healthy enough to play against Denver. But I thought overall, those were some guys that really stood out that I hadn't mentioned yet. And I actually have uh, more players than that because I thought that. The 49ers overall had some guys that played well 
even though when you look at it, you could possibly think maybe it didn't go uh, as good, you know, as you probably thought it was going to go in this preseason game. Jelly says, from what I heard from everyone on YouTube, this game just showed everyone that didn't see any of the practices, how all the practices went this week. I thought one of the interesting points was uh, when Tim Ryan was talking to Greg Papa during the broadcast, and he said that they had game planned uh, to win practices and to win the game. And we know the 49ers don't game plan at all during the preseason or during practice, but that the Raiders had. And maybe the Raiders really did want to win and take advantage of those opportunities. And as a, as a you know team, you can do that. So I wonder how much of that occurred. I will say this. I am not surprised that the Raiders somewhat outplayed the 49ers during the practices for the mere fact that the 49ers weren't rolling out there with their studs, right? I mean, they didn't have Dre Greenlaw for both days. They had him for a little bit for one day. George Kittle wasn't on the field. No Nick Bosa. You know what I mean? You're going to have you know definite problems when you don't play your stars. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't play both days. Trent Williams, you know, they played one day or the other. And so I think sometimes uh, it's one of those things where you're expecting – you know, one thing to happen at practice, but you're really not expecting results like you get in the game. So you're not trying to win those practices. You're just trying to win individual reps and help your players get to another point. And I think that's what the 49ers were working on in those joint practices. But you're right. From everything I hear, that's kind of uh, what they're saying is, you know, this is kind of how the 49ers practices went. So uh, maybe that is the case for sure. And that's how they'll continue to work. And, you know, that's one of the things I want to see from the 49ers is how they bounce back. How you bounce back is one of the most important things uh, in football because you're going to have bad plays, you're going to have bad games, you're going to have bad reps. And how you bounce back is one of the most important things that you could possibly do for your football team and for yourself. And we know that that was something that Mike McGlinchey often had to work on. So, Let's see how the 49ers bounce back, you know, and, and what they do, uh, you know, with everything that goes on. And what's up, traffic? Traffic in the house says, what up, TCC? Uh, glad to have you in the house. Um, and then here's a great one from James, and I, I wholeheartedly believe. Wilkes won't show his playbook in the preseason. Come on. Exactly. There's no reason to. Uh, there's no reason to show what you can do in the preseason. There's no reason to show what you can do in joint practices. Uh, just just go out there and execute your basic offense, your basic defense, vanilla. Do what you can do. Make sure everyone understands, you know, your base sets. That's all you're trying to accomplish. Then you go out there and you get it together. You game plan and everything for the Steelers. Uh, but that's really when it's important. And Jay Ellie has uh, a good question here. He says, the good, the bad, and the ugly ant. Well, I think the good would have to be uh, the play of Ronnie Bell and Chris Conley. I, th I think that they were good. I know Bell had the bad play. I'm going to kind of omit that. I think that was a really good thing. I thought Sam Darnold did pretty well in his opportunities that he got. I thought D. Winters looked good. Jalen Graham, they were all, for, uh, you know, people I like to watch. Ambry Thomas and Ty Davis-Price, uh, they had good. I thought as far as the bad um, I think it was just, you know, some of the guys possibly struggling on plays they should have made, right? All the holding calls on special teams, uh, those could be considered bad. As far as ugly, I got no ugly. 
because when you're this early in the season, when you're putting out film, it's either good or it's bad, uh, but there's no real ugly film. I didn't see anything egregious that any of these players are doing, so I'm not giving any ugly, uh, but there was good and bad from this football team or football game, and either way, you learn tremendously uh, from both, and I think that's the thing that's different from the game. In the game, in a normal game, like a regular season game, yes, you learn from the bad, but you're hoping there's not bad. In preseason games, it's not uncommon for coaches to hope for bad so that way they can learn from it. You know, maybe one of these players has been fringe on something. Uh, so, <laughs> and I see some of the comments, James coming with some some funny stuff as well. Um, I think that when it comes, you know, to certain uh, players, yes, you know, guys definitely maybe didn't show up the way uh, people wanted, but there's already a narrative out, you know, and one of those players is Cameron Latu. There's definitely a narrative out, you know, that he doesn't deserve uh, to be on the team. He doesn't deserve, you know, he's struggling to drop ball, uh, struggling, dropping balls, you know, and then he fumbles today. And I think that, yeah, the young player struggling, he admitted he was deep into the playbook and somewhat uh, struggling to pick it up. And as he learns this playbook, he's definitely going to get better. Uh, so I just want to give, you know, give him some time to get better. Was it a great performance? No. Uh, can there can that performance get better? Absolutely. And so I'm hoping for improvement from every single one of these players that had struggles today. You know, I don't I don't think anyone that was out there today played a perfect day. You know, it I think you know, hence a player like Ronnie Bell, who had a really good performance, but then had the INT off his hands. Uh, so no one was perfect. There were good performances and there were performances to build off of, you know, guys like Jalen Graham is definitely going to be able to build off the performance he had today. D winters, you know, first action, in the NFL, they're going to be able to build off these performances. And ultimately that's what you're looking for uh, when you're going through the preseason. And what we're hoping is next week against Denver, they're better. And then when they play again against the chargers, they're better. And you're just wanting to stack these days and become a really good football team. Siggy says, what happened to the D-line depth? They got beat up pretty good. Yeah, so, I mean, you would probably have more depth, right, if you had starter Nick Bosa, uh, starter Drake Jackson. Like, those two would really help. Eric Armstead, uh, Javon Hargrave, those four guys did not play. So when you went to your defensive line, you're already missing one of your uh, starting or one of your backup guys, right? So no matter if it's Farrell or Drake Jackson, one of them is number two. So then you would have had one of them with potentially Kerry Hyder, uh, but that didn't happen in this game. You went further down the list. And so what you're seeing is the 49ers definitely have depth, uh, but they have guys out. And some of that depth that's still out is guys like Kalia Davis. He's still out. Uh, we haven't seen Robert Beal Jr. He's been injured. So a lot of the depth is injured and a lot of the starters didn't play, which create the depth. Uh, for your football team. So it's still there, but it's definitely, I mean, when you start getting to guys who, you know, are th third and fourth string, it could be tough. It could definitely be tough to, you know, find that depth. And I think it's, it's one of those things that um, you just continue to monitor and work on. And, you know, if you're not really getting guys that are meeting the expectations at that position, then you go try to find those players. And are there still really good edge rushers available on the open market? Sure. There are. And if you need to, you know, approach that, the 49ers definitely can. I think they'd like to keep the salaries down, and they've been working guys through. I think they believe once they get Bosa in, once they get Drake Jackson healthy, once they get Robert Beal Jr. back, that they have plenty of talent on the outside. And then if you're going to a rotation that starts with Armstead 
Hargrave, Kinlaw, and Gibbons, you're feeling really good about that group overall. And I think that's why the depth doesn't seem to be as good as what they were hoping. James says, it feels like a syndicate, any of these linebackers, they all have great potential in this defense. And I think you're right, James. I mean, it does feel tough to cut any of these linebackers. I think we've seen all of them have really good plays. Uh, they've all played at a pretty high level, and they've done a good job. And I think the continuing uh, development of the younger guys, like Jalen Graham, like um, Marcelino McCurry Ball, like D. Winters, is going to put pressure on the veterans like Curtis Robertson and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, those guys are going to have to step up. Now, Flanagan Fowles definitely look really comfortable playing Mike Linebacker, but I felt like Jalen Graham did a very good job of stepping in after him. And I think if Jalen Graham to, can prove uh, to be a solid you know, uh, player within this defensive system, then it could make Flanagan Fowles more expendable. Uh, so Graham's ascension is good for the 49ers overall uh, roster building because if they have to keep Flanagan Fowles, they're probably going to have to release one of these really young linebackers, which I don't think they want to do. And JLE says, Ant, I agree with you nearly 100, but – our second and third team depth was beat by a more motivated second and third Raiders team. Hey, and maybe you're right. You know what I mean? Maybe they were mo more motivated to go out there and execute at a higher level. I will say this, that uh, the Raiders definitely outplayed the 49ers, you know, in the front seven, uh, especially along the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, that is not an argument. Uh, I just think that, you know, with a lot of injuries, this could be different. Right. I mean, if you have guys coming off the bench, you know, uh, that are uh, used to playing, you know, used to be starters or used to be rotational pieces within the league, uh, it definitely falls off real quick. So uh, the 49ers, you know, didn't have Kevin Givens and Kinlaw in that long. They went to Marlon Davidson and some of the other guys. So I, I think that the depth will be really good once we get the starters. But yeah, you're right. It is if you're getting to like, you know, uh, third string, four string guys, uh, it can definitely fall off. So I think the depth is there. Maybe it's not as good right now compared to what they were seeing, but let's see how it progresses once some of the injuries are over and some of these guys are back. And, and thanks so much for subscribing, S2167. Appreciate you joining the Cutback crew. And James says, if they are trying to get a trade package for Trey, this wasn't the way to do it. I don't know if they're trying to trade any one of these quarterbacks. I think they're just trying to get these guys up to speed and getting them comfortable within this 49ers offense. Um, and one thing I wanted to talk about, because I think he ca he's caught in a lot of heat since last year, and I thought he did really good today, was I think Ambry Thomas looked fantastic. So I thought Ambry Thomas looked the best that we've seen him look since 2021. I love the way he was recognizing route concepts, picking up guys, and then going ahead and, and making uh, plays on the football. That pass breakup over the middle was absolutely fantastic. So I wanted to give him credit there. And then he had the one on the goal line where he came in from the outside and he tried to stop the running back the first time. He hit him in the legs but didn't wrap up and missed the tackle. But the next time he had an opportunity on fourth and one, he went in there and he grabbed the legs and really made a good play on fourth and one to get a stop. And Kerry Hyder on the same play had busted inside and was there to give some help as well. So I thought over, overall, Ambry Thomas looked pretty good. And, you know, with the concern about Womack getting beat deep on a couple of occasions, I think it's a good sign for the 49ers that 
one of their tall uh, wide receiver or sorry, cornerbacks was playing well. And Ambry Thomas definitely, you know, needs to get some, uh, some run. He did a pretty good job. So excited about him for sure. And Michael says under Kyle, our preseason has never been good. So I'm not stressing out. I think that's a, a solid thought to have, Michael. Uh, don't worry about preseason. You know, let's let's see how it plays out. If you get similar play when we get into the regular season against the Steelers, then you have every right. You know, I mean, every, you know, 49er fans have every right to be upset uh, if there's lack of execution and the 49ers aren't playing well. But I think it's pretty clear to everyone that watched the game that the 49ers were definitely not going out there and, you know, trying to game plan, scheme things up, run shifts and motions uh, to come up with matchups that really benefit them. I think overall they were just looking for good opportunities uh, to run their plays against certain coverages. And, you know, they tried to get the quarterbacks to go through the progressions and see what happens. So uh, I think overall I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. And JL says Ambry did, did have a penalty on special teams, but did well. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys had special teams penalties in the second half. It seemed like everyone kind of uh, got there. Uh, Siggy says Allen was throwing some dimes, quarterback three. I think the only way he's quarterback three is if the 49ers decide to move on from Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. Other than that, I, I don't foresee him being on this roster. So even though he played well, uh, he's not you know unseating one of those other guys. And Brad Jones says, Ant, let's move on to next week. Do you think any of the starters will play next week at all? We might get a touch of some of the starters next week. We'll see. I don't know when that dress rehearsal is going to be, if it's going to be in week two or week three. At some point, we're going to see most of the starters. I don't know if we'll ever see Trent Williams uh, playing in any of these games. And so, you know, maybe we won't get all the starters, but we'll probably get a couple of them here and there. Uh, maybe we'll get Purdy at some point for a series or two. So I do think we could probably see some guys. But I think Kyle is going to make sure that he get, keeps his guys healthy and ready for the regular season. That is the definite most important thing, you know, for him is just keeping this team healthy overall and into the regular season because uh, you don't win games in the preseason. You win games in the regular season, and that's what's so important. So if you're watching right now, uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I really appreciate everyone in here and if you're listening on an audio platform please give it a five-star rating appreciate it so much 49ers cut back on believe and that's one of the things that you know we got to keep in mind is there's still two more of these preseason games one against the broncos and we'll see you know what the broncos elect to do with their starting unit they on friday they played pretty much russell wilson and the their starters through the first half so that was interesting so I don't know exactly how Sean Payton's going to handle uh, the 49ers, you know, playing them and them coming to Levi Stadium. We'll see. And then you got the Chargers, and that'll be on a short week. Uh, so with it being a short week, the 49ers are going to have a decision to make. If they're either going to play their starters on Saturday against the Broncos or Thursday, it won't be both. And so uh, if they just, if they elect to go and play those players against Denver, then, you know, then they're not going to play that Thursday against the Chargers. So we'll see what Kyle ends up doing. I think either way it works. Uh, it's pretty traditional for you to go through the preseason and have a dress rehearsal. It's just now we have to get used to there only being three preseason games instead of four. And so I think right now that's kind of just, you know, the way that preseason works. And at some point it's probably going to go down to two games 
to be honest. Brad Jones says, you don't make friends with salad and preseason games don't matter. <laughs> Had to put it up. Too good. Too good, Brad. I love it. Uh, James says, is there anyone you're interested in trading for or free agents still out there? Um, I do think there's some edge rushers that are still available. I haven't looked up to see who you know is still available out there. Uh, but I know there's a couple of guys, and I'm going blank on you know a couple of players that are available out there that I'd like. Uh, my question marks are going to be: We didn't see huge impact from Austin Bryant today. We didn't see a huge impact from Taco Charlton today, which they had been impactful in practices at training camp. So a wait and see approach. But if we don't start getting something from those guys, uh, then maybe the 49ers do look at you know one of these guys on the open market. Plus, we need to get Nick Bosa in there at some point. I think the next you know, week, week and a half are very pivotal for the 49ers getting that done. Uh, but other positions I'm not really worried about. Running back is set. Quarterback set. Uh, you know, Wide receiver is solid. Tight end looks pretty good overall because you still have the veterans that you're used to. So I just don't know if there's many moves to be made out there besides particularly maybe the edge rush position. Siggy so says, how do you train someone to read the field quicker? anticipate the throw. It's all about film work. It's all about understanding. Uh, so understanding what defense you're seeing first. So when you come to the line of scrimmage, you're going to get a particular look from the defense. Now, most defenses are so good at changing right when the snap happens to adjust. So you're going to have a particular read you're going to look at. So because you know your routes, you know what your concept is, you have one player to read or maybe even two. So you're going to read a safety or you're going to read a corner, depending on if they, they drop or, you know, they're dropping deep, they turn and run, or they're coming up and staying flat. Uh, you get a sag. So you get certain looks that are going to give you an idea. And then you have to quickly decipher what your routes are and throw the proper one that's open. So it is definitely a little bit difficult. Uh, but once you understand what your scheme is, and how a defense coverage is, because you can tell usually by the safeties and how they're lining up and how they adjust pre-snap, then you're able to make the right and proper read. And James says, can you train not to hesitate? Absolutely. You can train not to hesitate. Uh, what you have to do is teach that quarterback to be comfortable in his read. Uh, don't worry about what you're seeing. Just throw the football. You have to have a belief in what you're seeing. And until a quarterback feels comfortable in what he's seeing, He's going to hesitate. Once he is comfortable, he'll just let it fly. And that's why you see players, you know, like that were like Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy, you know, and other quarterbacks in this league, uh, like Joe Burrow. They recognize what they see and they get rid of the football. There's no hesitation. And it comes from a mastery of the offense and it comes from a mastery of understanding coverages. And once you do that, you can have success in this league. But if you don't put in that work, it's going to be hard. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, the, the 49ers are definitely working on with Trey Lance. Uh, this was a lot more hesitation than I had seen all throughout training camp. So I'm not going to say it's the norm, but I, I think it's something that, you know, they're going to continue to work on. And they're just going to tell them. I guarantee it. Brian Greasy probably said, hey, just let it fly. You just let it go. You had it. You had some of the reads. And I, I think that, you know, he could he could have made a couple of throws that first sack on third down. Ross Dwelly was open. All he had to do was throw him to uh, the hash mark side of the foot uh, of the field and lead him away from the corner who was dropping it or who was uh, coming up in coverage. And he could have had a completion, but he hesitated. And once he hesitated, there was no time to remake that throw. 
And what's up, Donald? How's it going? Uh, glad to see you here. So JLE says, O-line depth, maybe. Uh, potentially. We'll see. You know, I think the 49ers are pretty happy with the way Chris Furster uh, develops football players, and he's developed a lot of good offensive linemen. I don't think today was the best illustration of the depth. You know, I think Jason Poe and Nick Zakel had moments where they struggled. I thought Matt Pryor didn't look as, as good as he could. Uh, but I want to see what happens as they bounce back. I've seen development from tons of players that Chris First has worked with, so I have confidence that he could develop them. But if something doesn't get done, I'm sure they will look around the league and see if they can find somebody that could step up and step into that spot. Uh, I mean, really, realistically, they don't have very many roster spots open on the offensive line. You have the five starters. You're going to have Jalen Moore. You're going to have uh, Nick. I'm sorry, uh, John Feliciano. And then you have a decision to make. Are you keeping Pryor? Are you keeping uh, Nick Zakel? So there's really not a lot of decisions to make as you're pretty much seven strong right now on the offensive line. And James says, do schemes really win Super Bowls or is it an ego thing with Kyle? Um, I definitely think that schemes have a big part of uh, you know, winning in the NFL. I, th I think we've seen schemes be pretty successful. You know, Zach Taylor doing what he does in Cincinnati, uh, you know, Sean McVay doing what he does with the Rams. Schemes are definitely a big part of it. They help players be able to be more successful than just going out there and running plays. It puts their God-given talents in the best situations. Uh, so, yeah, schemes mean a lot. But when it comes down to it, it's not all X's and O's. Uh, it is about some of the Jimmys and Joes. So it takes a little bit of both, and that's what Kyle has. He has Jimmy and Joes. You know, when you have guys like George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you have some of the top talent. Now you throw in, um, you know, the, the, all the other players that you got going with it and the scheme that Kyle can run, and that's why you have the recipe to go to, you know, three of the last four uh, NFC Championship games. And now you just got to get yourself over the hump. And I think at some point uh, they will. I think they hope they got the quarterback situation figured out with Brock Purdy. But if they don't, then you're missing one of the major Joes. And can you overcome it with the amount of talent they have around him? Maybe. And we'll find out. But that's one of the intrigue, uh, you know, about a Kyle Shanahan-led offense is how much is on the quarterback and how much is on the quarterback distributing. And I think that's something that's really, really uh, interesting. Um and, and that's why I'm kind of, you know, looking forward to it. Um, but anyways, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna head out. I really appreciate everyone for coming through and having a great conversation in the preseason with me. I'm looking forward to more games and, you know, and more conversations. So thank you guys all uh, for coming by and checking out 49ers Cutback on Believe. Looking forward to more episodes and more content coming your way all week. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.